Sten Morgan here. I hope you're doing well. I want to announce that we are launching the How to Be an Elite Advisor course. We are combining all of our best teachings and ideas into a course that you can complete in less than a week. I want to share with you the best ideas that I implement within my practice that have helped me achieve more than I ever thought possible. I want to share how I have unique meetings with clients. What's the mindset of an elite advisor? How do you prospect in a way that'll separate you from other advisors? At the Elite Advisor Network, we reject average. I want to help you see what your full potential is and reach it faster. Set time aside this week to take the course. Click on the link or go visit gobeelite.com. I'll talk to you soon. Welcome to the podcast, Becoming an Elite Advisor. I'm here with Andy Schraub, and we spend a lot of time on our podcast talking about growing a team. That an advisor, in order to live in their superpower, needs to have people around them. Yes. More specifically, we get a lot of questions about, should I add another advisor to the team? Yeah, this is a conversation that probably once a month, someone from our community will reach out and say, hey, I'm thinking about... And it's one, either joining someone, someone solicited me to go join a team mm-hmm. or, Hey, I'm thinking about adding someone. And then every three months or so it's a, Hey, there's a problem because I'm on a team with someone and there's a, there's a conflict. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the focus of this conversation today is about how to add an advisor. And then what are the, what are the rules? What are the parameters? Uh, what are the, you know, the, the, the agreements you can make? so that it, you can avoid the issues that are inevitably going to come up if you don't have those agreements in place. Yep. And I think foundationally, if you're if the reason or a, mode made, a main motivation for doing it is because you think it's going to make your life easier right away, like this person is going to just bring in business for you or take a bunch of workload, then don't do it. So this is, um, <clears throat> I, I think that you've got the spiritual gift of contrarian thinking where you're like, huh, what, did he just say that? Like the... The main reason you would join a team is to make it easier. So I feel like you're kind of talking, I mean, I'll let you speak, but yeah. like, just listen to this part. I feel like you, it's, there's a duality of what you're saying, which is people, it can be better if you do this, but you also say at the same time, Stan, don't do it because you think everything's going to be better. That's right. So my question is, with those two truths, mm-hmm. which seem like they're opposites, what do you mean when you say don't do it if just because, if you think it's going to make everything easier? What do you mean by that? So an experience I had earlier in the business, I was working at a larger firm, sitting in a cube, you know, looking around. And what I started seeing happen was advisors that were not quite making it started like teaming up because in their mind, it was like, oh, we'll work together. And if you get a case, then we'll split it like we're kind of helping each other out. But if uh-huh. you have two people that aren't making it, thinking that by joining forces, they're all of a sudden going to unlock something amazing. It, it was it was almost like a last ditch effort that, that wasn't going to work. Yeah, I think from a mathematical perspective, if you kind of step back and said, like, you know, I'm at half capacity, you're at half capacity. If we join together, wait a minute, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're that's still- only one, and there's still two people. So you're actually, the, you know, let's let's run the average. Oh wait, we're where we're where we started. That's right, right. So I think that maybe the the the, the perspective is it's not going to solve problems that that or shortcomings you have. Mm-hmm. Is that is that accurate? It, it, it may. They may compliment you in some way. Yeah, so let's go But there. I think people are complicated. I think if you, for example, when we talk help advisors add a practice manager or a pair planner, it's not all of a sudden if you do this, things get really easy. You've just added a new element, which is people. And people are complicated right. and hard to deal with. And, and so you got to make sure that like by adding this element to my business, 
it's a, it's a multiplier effect that, yeah. that I, the benefit far outweighs the extra voice at the table or right. the person having a bad week or two that you have to kind of pick up some slack for. Cause if two advisors that are not crushing it by any means, try to team up together. Now you have another person's opinion. Yeah. And very rarely does the 50, 50, and we'll talk about this. Hey, let's yeah. just partner up and split everything down the middle and it'll work out maybe for a year but long-term usually doesn't. So let me also say this. I think that one of the other issues we're gonna, we're gonna talk about today is, and what's the difference between hiring a head of planning or hiring uh, you know, you know, an administrator versus hiring or, or, or joining another advisor? That's what we're talking about today. We're talking That's about right. sort of joining or, or, or adding an advisor to your practice. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would say that the difference is that when you hire someone for a specific job, that they, when they do that task, it can free you up to do more of what you do really well. Yep. One of the problems with, uh, you know, an advisor joining another advisor and thinking sort of like, oh, you'll solve my issues. And the other person's thinking, oh, you'll solve my issues. Is it's almost like two puzzle pieces that are essentially the same, mm-hmm. trying to match up with each other. That's yep. not how puzzles work. Like, it, you're not going to fix each other. Yep. And, 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 you're, and I love how you say this. You, both people are thinking the same thing, which is, oh, that person's the answer to my problem. That's right. In reality, because they're both advisors, that's that's usually not the case. Let's talk really quickly, though, where, where I've actually experienced when I, I met two advisors that were sort of perfectly matched. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I, I say this with total respect for both parties. One guy was Mr. Connections. Mm-hmm. Super friendly, handsome, dressed well, had a pretty wife, drove a nice car. You know, never forgot a name, super social, great guy. Yep. The other guy, a dork, dressed awkwardly and had very poor personal skills, but was the smartest, most technically mm. gifted Love and worked hard, right? Yep. And just, and, and the guy that I knew better was the more sort of socially savvy guy. Mm-hmm. And the other guy's name was Adam. And he's like, I, so the, the, the sort of, uh, Mr. Winsome was like, I would be nowhere without Adam. Nowhere. Because Adam was everything that he wasn't yep. and was willing to sort of just sit in that role. Yeah. So can that work? It, it could. In my experience, it has not. Maybe I just, Why doesn't that work? For me, it didn't because, again, that's kind of like the stars aligning. Yeah. Like people are both bought in completely different superpowers that like they need each other to survive. Yeah. Usually yeah. it's not that extreme. That... Typically, you'll get an advisor. There's some added benefit there. Maybe it ends up being more of like an expense share, but people have different motivations. and, and So it doesn't work because they're too alike, is what you're saying, or, or the needs are kind of the same. To an extent. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you can have advisors that complement each other, though. Yeah, So, that's what so I'm they're saying. different yeah. with their superpowers. But most of the time, what I see happening is that advisors, you, you start, one's producing, a high-producing advisor the route I ended up taking was I'm going to hire somebody that's really good at planning and just pay them to do it. Yeah. Versus, hey, bring somebody in that may not have a multiplier effect on my practice, and now they have a share in the profit of my business. Mm-hmm. If you look at made, a lot of corporations, most businesses we consult, if they're like, hey, I think about bringing this investor on, I'm like, is there any possible way you can fund it yourself mm-hmm. and hire that person and just pay them well? Yeah. It feels good to like, hey, here's some equity, because if you win, we all win. But it's like, is it really necessary, though? Right. And so if you're listening and you are thinking that's the solution to your problem in the midst of talking about it. There are ways to make it work. If you bring in a like-minded advisor, that's similar stage in the business, the comp plan just has to have a little nuance to it. 
Right. Meaning, hey, we both get paid if we bring in business. That that's that's a component that needs to be recognized. Maybe the person that if they're in the office more doing a lot of the the legwork, they get some kind of base salary for that. And then there might be a profit share pool that you guys don't based on percentages can split. But what what you're saying, what doesn't take place is okay. Every piece of business I write, you get the, this percentage. That's yeah, not regardless of situation. And I've seen some advisors. Why is that a bad idea? Where they have a spreadsheet of like fifty split codes. It's like, oh, for this situation reason, this one, this one reason, this one's like, then you're just spending so much time trying to figure the split code out. Like, you just need to go out and get some more clients. Why would you, pardon my ignorance, why would you Why would you have 50 different, or even 20 or 10 different? Well, if Sten brings in a family member, Andy gets 10% of it, but I get, because it's my family member. But if, okay. uh, if I meet somebody out in an event that the company sponsored and Andy paid part of that expense, he gets 40%. There's just so many variations of it yeah. that... You almost need to have, it can't, in my opinion, long-term be just 50-50 down the middle. That always right. comes to a head. What it can be is, hey, based off tenure, uh, contribution, there's a profit-sharing pool at the end of the day that gets split maybe quarterly based on some metrics. So it takes a little more time to figure it out. Right. But you're almost trying to think of when you're building a comp plan or a partner plan, like, what could go wrong here? Yeah. Like, let's think about the situations where this goes south that, when things aren't bad yet. Yeah. And put, put some mechanism in place to solve for that. So that's that's... That to me is planning. Uh, it, it's I think of um, my family's gone to the Indianapolis 500 for a long time, which is an open wheel race. And one of the problems with open wheel races is when a wheel gets hit, those wheels used to go flying, mm-hmm. and it was really scary. And so there's this new technology where basically the tires like don't break off. Like they they figured out, hey, the worst case scenario where this could go wrong is a tire goes flying in the crowd, which it, it had done and yeah. actually killed someone. And so their thing is like, let's plan for almost the unthinkable or the worst case scenario. But people are like, oh, well, everything's fine right now. Yeah, but but what if? What, right. what, what if that happens? And I think one of the hard parts is that we get these advisors and we get advisors that talk to us all the time. And, they, you know, you're having a call, I think, with one of them this week from our community. And it all sounds great. It's like dating. It, <laughs> it's it's funny because it's like, oh, and they promised this, and they're great guys, and da da da. It's like, okay, but what could go wrong? And it's the hard part is they just don't talk about that. Yeah. And so it's just have the conversation of, okay, but what if I get, okay, you want to do 50 50, great. What if you get a case that's the biggest case you've ever had in your entire life? Yep. And, you know, and, and, and I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. You do it nothing to do with it. You know, like, then are you still going to do, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, oh, okay. So it, yep. it's all fine and dandy until, yep. until, until. So you have to talk about those untils. Um, Another option I've seen is where a, 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 an active producing advisor with plenty of runway left in their career brings on kind of a senior advisor that's, that has some kind of exit plan where it's mm-hmm. like, you're going to come on and we're going to get to know each other. And then the goal is for me to eventually acquire your book of business. Yeah, I have a very good friend that's happening to him right now. And his thing was, I want to get out of the business, but I want to find someone that will allow me to, I don't know what to use, off, off, mm-hmm. kind of go off into the sunset, but do it well. Yeah. Meaning he, he wanted to go, he used to be 60 hours a week, and now he's probably 30 hours a week, mm-hmm. and he's working himself towards probably 10 hours a week you know, over the next few years, but he wanted to offload, and he's what I was looking for, mm-hmm. offload the, you know, his clients and, and say, hey, you know, Ryan's going to be taking care of you you know, for your next meeting and start to sort of nurture them away. Yep. Uh, I, I think that's great. And I think the person that really wins in that area is your clients. Oh yeah. That's a great handoff. Yep. 
What's an example of a bad handoff? I don't want to go too tangential here, but like I tried this once back in the day with an advisor that was mainly insurance based. Yeah. And he was looking for that. He's like, I want yeah. some young kind of dynamic guys that are really getting after it. And I kind of build my succession plan. Unfortunately, when we got looking under the hood of his business, we realized it was almost 95% insurance and none of the clients would call back. Meaning the client saw it as a transactional relationship. Or is that legacy? If I tell a client, hey, I need to meet with you next week, they're like, okay, here's when I'm available. Like, there's an urgency, like, hey, you're going to add value. It's not like I bought a product for you and the client's like, well, why are you calling me? Well, yeah. Yeah. If the person who, you know, if the person who, and sorry if this is you, um, I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast, but if the guy who sold you a car five years ago sends you a Christmas card and suddenly calls out of the blue, <laughs> he probably wants to sell you another car. That's right. Because right? it was a transaction, yeah. right? Versus, you know, no, I coach soccer with that guy. You know, like you'll pick up that phone call and no, oh, you want to get coffee? That's great. Yep. You know, but the friend who's an MLM that like calls out of the blue, yep. they don't want to have coffee. They want you to get, you know, so it's, it is about what is the basis of the relationship. Let's go back to um, not splitting a business down the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's some advisors listening that are saying like, oh, it works for us, you know, yeah. and maybe a few that are like, we've been doing it for 20 years. Great. Exception to the rule. Yeah. If you're thinking about it, know there's you know 10 pitfalls for the potential of it, of it working out Yeah. and go in clear minded about that. Yeah. Um, let's talk some more about um, the how you should consider all these agreements to be negotiable. I think you said something about start, understand that these things can be, you know, they can change over time as yep. people change, as businesses change, as you know, it's just us. And then we had an admin and then we've got a paraplaner and then we've got a head of planning and we've got a, that you could, you can revisit these things. Yep. Right. I think that falls into what we've talked about in past episodes is like of the tension of being a business owner, meaning it's never just easy and things are good. It's like, okay, you solved a problem, which created a new problem to solve. Okay, great. You're making more money now, but now you're bigger and you need more people and that's something else to solve. So with a partnership, bringing on an advisor, training a new advisor, all of that going in and just saying, there's going to be surprises in this. Yeah. I could train this person for two years and they could just exit. Yeah. Am I ready for that? What, how am I going to handle that? Yeah. Those are the risks. And the hope is that every once in a while you get somebody and it it sticks to where you train them and they get going and then you get a return on that investment. The advisor onboarding, and that's kind of back to our core issue, is like, should you even look to add an advisor to your team? I think the answer to that is yes, depending on the situation. And then what's the purpose of it? The route I've decided to go with Legacy moving forward is we're going to find advisors that have capacity to serve. We don't really need rainmakers. Rainmakers can be tough because they're like, I just don't tell me what to do. Like, I just want to do my thing and, and have my schedule. And that might work in the early stages where you just need clients. But as soon as you have a culture and infrastructure built. Yeah. Wild cards are tough to deal with. But if you're like, hey, we have a brand and we have clients and Sten's now passing off clients that are not at a certain threshold of complexity, I now just need really good advisors to just handle those. Right. And then I can work up a grid. They all sign an agreement saying Sten doesn't own my clients, but if I leave and he has sourced clients for me, I'm going to buy those from him at 1x trailing 12 revenue or something. Right. They sign it up front. It's like, okay, at least I know if I'm going to leave, there's something here, there's clarity to it. An advisor on your team, speaking to you being a solo advisor or an advisor leading a team, can be a valuable ad, but more often than not, it goes sideways. Whether it was, hey, this is going to go great right away and they don't expect a curveball, or the reason they got into it wasn't a good one. So the conversations we've had about with uh, with advisors that we know about sort of joining up, um, 
a lot of times they're being solicited. Mm. I mean, that's that's the conversations with a few that I'm thinking of. Is someone came in and said, "Hey, I think you're doing pretty well. You should join us." Yep. And there is this element of isolation mm-hmm. that I think some advisors like the idea of joining up because they feel isolated. They're yeah. like, "I want to work with someone. I want to have. I want to share an office with someone. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the one making all the decisions all the time." And so they feel like they need to sort of give up some things to yep. get that. Again, not everyone's wired the exact same. I think you're wired to where, you know, that's not, you know, you don't necessarily need someone else to be at your same level of, like, you're, you're okay bringing on some younger advisors mm-hmm. and sort of handing off clients to them. What would you say to someone out there that's like, you know what, I just, the issue is I want to partner up with someone because I, this is just a lonely business. And maybe you don't mm-hmm. use those words, but it's like, I just, I feel like I want to go on the journey with someone else or yeah. two things better than one. So. We'll wrap with this, but what would you say to someone who is trying to fill that need of isolation with, uh, maybe I should partner with someone? I'd say, again, if the motivation is because this is going to make things easier for me, wrong reason. It's going to be just difficult in a different way. And this business is hard. Owning a business is hard. If you can find somebody that it is, there's a multiplier effect to that. That's saying, hey, I may not be here forever, but for a season, it's helpful for us to share expenses. I need staff. They have a pair of planner. They can get an override so I can focus more on what I need to do. Treat everything as a potential season. And if you're like, hey, I'm going to join on with this group because they meaningfully add value for the next season of my business. Yeah. That's an easier decision to make when compared to, man, am I going to be here forever? Like, are they going to so own my book of business? So it's a season five years. Five's fair to maybe yeah. go in assuming yeah. that. Because you do need a point to where you commit to something. If you're always questioning who you're partnering with, right. what's your back off, like you're distracted, you need to get to a point where it's like, hey, it's good enough. And now I'm going to put my head down for two or three years and grow my business. Because a bigger business gives you a lot of options. When you have a book of businesses paying recurring revenue to a certain level, it's like, oh, you can move and open your own office and hire your own people. So if, if the motivation, if you ever feel this advisor's listening, like, oh, this is my way out. I'm just frustrated and I think this is going to make things easier. Like grab a hold of that because that will not last long. You'll, you'll be surprised by some other challenge. It's not always as somebody said it's going to be something changes. But if it is truly like I'm working on my superpower and I'm growing and there's some piece, a person or even a, a larger group of advisors that can infuse some energy into that or grow me, then I think it's worth considering. So last word about this topic. If someone is considering adding an advisor to their practice, they need to make sure that they discuss how long their agreement might be. Let's revisit this in this much time, Right to talk about, they need to talk about, uh, you know, all the scenarios, meaning what if you get a huge case? What if I get a large case? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I never want to assume the worst of people, but it's more of like a trust, but verify. Yeah. Um, it is human nature is unfortunately the, you're going to crunch some numbers in your head and be like, Oh, that's not right. He hasn't, or she hasn't closed one that big. And now they just made $15,000 and not. Uh, and so that's the thing that all of us need to battle anyways. If you're in a partnership, like you're going to win, they're going to win and hopefully it settles out. But don't assume that's not going to happen. Yeah. And my last bit of encouragement, and I'll let you have the last word on this, but because uh, I want you to speak to it, is that, uh, you know, having a lawyer involved, getting some stuff drawn up is, is to me, it's that trust but verify. It's like, yeah, I trust you, and I think this is going to go great. But, like, we're not going to do this on a handshake. Yeah. They're, they're, people will and should feel better when it is clearly black and white. Yeah. Someone else has looked over it. You've walked, you've had the difficult conversations before you commit to it. So I, I would just give that really practical piece of advice is mm-hmm. 
if and when you do have that. That's yeah, it's running a healthy business is by doing the smart things, documents in place. You know, so we tell our clients have an estate plan. It's like if you're going into practice with another advisor that has a seat at the table, like they have equity to some extent, you got you to sit with the third party and say, okay, where, where could this go wrong? And, and they may say something and you guys be like, no way, that's never going to happen. We've been best friends for 30 years. It's like, okay, let's just talk about it. Yeah. It, it, it could be great for a season. Try not to go into a partnership advisor and be like, this is going to work for the next 50 years because your, your decisions will not be well informed. So are you looking to add an advisor to your company in 2023? If you are and you still have some questions, you can visit us at stenmorgan.com slash podcast and let us know how we can help. If you're not subscribed to our show, please do so. We release episodes every week and they're always practical and to the point. In addition, if you haven't left a review of the show, we are going to incentivize you to do so. Please leave your honest review and we'll send you a copy of Sten's book. So if you do this in January of 2023, you leave a review and you send a screenshot of your review and your mailing address to me, andy at eadvisornetwork.com, and then we'll send you a copy of Sten's book. On behalf of Sten and myself, thank you for listening. Remember to be kind to yourself and that life is too short to choose the average path. Choose the elite one. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you.